And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Michael Beller here with you. It is Thursday, July 21st. The first day of the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Also, 11 days away from the trade deadline. Yes, 11 days. It is the 21st, but with the 31st on a Sunday, the trade deadline in this 2022 season is Monday, August 1st. And that is where we are going to focus our attention on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We know that relievers are going to be moved over this next 11 days, and that's going to uh, create some opportunities in the fantasy baseball world. So we've got our reliever guru, Greg Jewett, with us to help us break that down where we should be worried about some guys, where maybe we should be speculating on some others. We're going to get into all that in just a second. First, though, I bring on my co-host, Al Melchior. Al, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, ready for a whole second half of baseball to begin. Hey, well, uh, you're not going to have to wait too much longer because we've got some doubleheaders. So we actually have some day baseball uh, in the uh, to get the second half up and rolling. We're here at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern as we are recording this. So uh, not too far from now, you're going to get that first pitch of the second half, Al. And uh, at some point, we're going to get a first pitch thrown by a relief pitcher uh, in this second half. And so let's get on over to the relievers who are going to dominate the attention of this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Greg Jewett joining us to break it all down. Greg, welcome back to the fantasy baseball pod how are you thank you yes i think it's third time already this year i appreciate it i'm doing all hey, right man. trying to stay cool up here and then well everywhere's warm across the country so i, I think we all face the same battle yeah, yeah that is uh that's definitely true um and we are going to uh fi- find uh find some um success we hope in a different battleground that being the closer battleground over these next uh couple of uh days leading up to the trade deadline so Let's dive in. We've got it structured as such. We know there are teams for sure who are going to be big-time sellers in the uh, trade market over the next uh, 11 days. We also know there are teams that could decide if they uh, come out of the break uh, and don't play too well over these next you know five, six days that maybe they too want to get into the uh, sell side of things. And so we're going to focus mostly on those teams because those are the teams that could create new closers, both on their team and maybe even on some other teams, depending on the caliber of reliever that they are trading out. Um, I'm going to start right here, you guys. I think there is one guy who we know for sure, no doubt about it, is going to get traded. If we all were going to sit down and say there is one reliever who for sure will be pitching for a new team come August 1st, it's David Robertson. And David Robertson has pitched so well for the Cubs this year that depending on the acquiring team, he could remain a closer. There certainly will be a new closer for the Cubs. So Greg, when you look at the Cubs, you look at David Robertson, what are you doing right now? Who are you speculating on in Chicago? Are you holding David Robertson for the possibility of a, the acquiring team keeping him as a closer? How are you looking at this? Um, well, fortunately for me, I, well, or unfortunately, because he's been very good this year, I don't have any shares of uh, David Robertson across my fantasy teams, but 
Um, he was somebody I recommended early on, and he's been a uh, he's been terrific coming off of uh, the injuries and the shortened stint last year with the Rays. But um, I think the Cubs got everything they wanted out of him and more, especially depending on what they will get in return. I keep going back and forth with the Cubs because one week Chris Martin looks good, then the next week it's Scott Efrost. I think it comes down to one of those two. I don't know if they would trade Martin. It's possible, but I don't know that it's a necessity. Um, so it just kind of depends on who does very well over the next 10 days with them. Uh, we're tracking that closely. I, I kind of like Efrost, but I don't know if his release and funky motion would uh, prohibit him from being a full-time closer. Um, you know, we all thought Martin a year before last was going to share the role or take it from Will Smith. So, I mean, there, there's a little bit of burn with each one of those guys. We have no idea what's going on with Braylon Marquez. I thought it, you know, in the preseason, he'd be somebody they might transition to the bullpen. So there's options there. I think it comes down to Martin or Efrost for myself. Uh, I'm I'm glad to hear uh, that, Greg, uh, you're mentioning Efrost because to me, he would seem like an obvious guy uh, just because mm-hmm. he's performed so well. He has been used in some high leverage situations. Uh, I can't imagine that he's going anywhere. I guess the only other name no. in that mix that occurred to me was maybe uh, Michael Givens, but um, yeah, maybe he's on a one-year deal too. So yeah. I, I would have to think they're going to trade him and Robertson. That That's the only yeah. reason I didn't mention Givens is I think they're uh, the Cubs signed them for the exact reason, if they weren't contending, they could flip them both at the trade deadline. Well, and that that's exactly where I was going to go with that too. So um, yeah, for, for that reason, I, if I were going to throw a couple dollars and fab uh, on somebody from this bullpen this weekend, it would definitely be for us. Mm-hmm. Very, very good KBB rate. I mean, that's, you know, he, he makes the pitching ninja every so often. So, I mean, I don't know, sometimes that can be dangerous, but um, yeah, I, I really want to see who's the most consistent over the next few days. Wouldn't be shocked to see David Ross mix and match too after uh, mm-hmm. they, the Cubs end up making these trades. I mean, like he did said, that last like, year with Kimbrel. Did it last year, and the way that the um, you know like, there's going to be options. The Cubs are obviously going to be auditioning guys for roles in 2023. So I wouldn't be surprised to see no set closer for the Cubs uh, after Robertson, Givens, and maybe some other guys uh, are shipped out over these next couple of days. The only like it's going to be a weird reliever market because um, so many guys who are in closers' roles uh, are not going to be free agents after this year, and so like like the Pirates aren't really going to move David Bednar, um, <laughs> the, the the Royals probably aren't going to move Scott Barlow, like things like that, like you know guys who could you know maybe they get knocked off their feet and they do end up making those moves, but. You know, there aren't a ton of obvious closers right now who are for sure going to get moved. I think Robertson's one. I think Daniel Bard is the other, Greg. So what are you doing in Colorado with Bard, uh, another guy who's a free agent after this season? See, I don't know. I, every beat writer keeps intimating that the team prefers to extend him rather than trade him. I mean, it does seem obvious, and you would think they'd even take like the, the Yankees 2016 route of trading Chapman and signing them back in the off season. I mean, sure. if they wanted Bard that bad, you could still get something for them to say, Hey, we're going to trade you, but we're going to resign you at the end of the year and take care of you sort of a thing. But I, again, um, I, I subscribe to uh, one of the newspapers just to get the information. And then um, our, our writers on the athletic and other places have all intimated that they think Colorado is going to be quiet at the trade deadline. So this could be a shock and he could end up staying. Um, so 
So I would put him at fit. I almost think Scott Barlow might get traded more likely than, than Barr just because I think a team like the Mets really wants to get a very good setup reliever in front of Edwin Diaz and um, Barlow being arbitration controllable um, makes him alluring. And and if you're the Royals, you're going nowhere this year and you're probably not contending next year. Why wouldn't you sell high on a 29-year-old reliever? Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. And um, I, you know, I, the thing is, either of these bullpens, the Rockies or the Royals, if there is a successor after the deadline, there's there's nobody I really like. Uh, I mean, if mm-hmm. Bard is gone, well, you figure if Bard's not gone, Calame, you would think uh, as a well, he, yeah, he's on a one year deal, so I would yeah. I would think they would trade him, but of course we know there won't be a robust market for him. Yeah, but yeah, you know, he's he would be serviceable if if he were an option, mm-hmm. but I don't expect that he would be. And then you're down to what Robert Stevenson and Carlos Estevez. I would, would pass on those guys, even if they were in line mm-hmm. for saves. And then you go to the Royals and if Barlow getting traded is a, a, a distinct possibility. What are you, I think you're looking at Josh Stamont there. Um, and I, actually Taylor Clark's been very good of late. Would, Again, he yeah. was somebody, he came out strong, then he kind of struggled. I don't know if he went through a dead arm period, but I, I almost believe he's on a 13 or 14 game scoreless streak right now. So, I mean, he doesn't get strikeouts, but I think he would probably move into the at least the primary save share if the Royals made a, a deal. Um, again, this is all speculative. I, I don't know. I remember Alec Lewis put the odds of Stalmont and Barlow being traded a month ago at 40%. I don't know if that's moved at all. Um, this is just me just spitting from the things that I read on a day-to-day basis. I just feel like, again, if you're the Royals, this is the time to sell on him if you're going to do it. I don't think you'll get a better return for him than right now in this market because he would move, as you were saying, with, with the limited amount of people possibly being dealt uh, with closer experience, I think he would move to the front of the, um, you know, front of the target list on a lot of contenders. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Are you doing anything in Washington uh, with with these guys, uh, Greg? Obviously, this is—I mean, Juan Soto is going to be the story of uh, Washington's lead up to the trade deadline. But wait, they might trade Soto. They might trade Juan Soto. They might trade a, one of the best. My timeline in, would never in the, reflect in the that. World. My God, yeah, right? yeah. it's crazy. It's Billy, I haven't heard anything about it. But yeah, Juan Soto's out there. He might get traded, and that's going to dominate not only Washington talk but uh, baseball talk. Uh, leading up to the trade deadline until it happens. But it's a weird team. Like, right, like th- th- this team is not going to be good this year. They're going to get 
rid of their best player. They're not going to be good next year. So like anything that's not nailed down is available. But like, is there anything for us in the fantasy world to think about here with the you know Tanner Rainey on the IL and you know, Kyle Finnegan's I guess the closer right now. But like, do you look at anything with this Washington team and say, yeah, I could you know maybe speculate on this guy or that guy uh, if, if they end up making moves? Well, the, the only good thing is, and, and speaking of life coming at you fast, it was like I had Tannerini in my lineup, and all of a sudden the next day there's a thing saying he's going on the sixty day. There was no, yeah, yeah right. There was Straight like the no 60. like, yeah, there was no like hinting. Oh, he's he's sore. Or he's going to be shut down for a day or two. It was just like, oh, he's going on the sixty day IL, which means he's getting surgery. And I was like, wow. Um, Finnegan did okay in in parts last year. Uh, I think it's all right. But also, if you look at the strength of schedule, the Nationals have one of the toughest remaining strength of schedules on the book. So, I mean, it's like how many safe chances are going to come down the road uh, if they trade Soto and they're going to they're going to gut part of the rotation by making a team take possibly Corbin with them. Uh, so, you know, you can add Finnegan, but, you know, it's it's almost like. Sometimes you're better off with the, the second or third guide in Seattle to get an ancillary save a week rather than try and hope you're getting a big amount from Finnegan. It's all about roster management and what you're going to maximize. Again, you, you can look at them, and then you can also monitor and see what Washington, what players they get back, because there could be a, a reliever that could um, jump into that equation once the trade deadline dust settles. So, Greg, I... I kind of don't see the Nationals trading Finnegan, but, uh, you know. If yeah, they could hold still. I yeah. mean, it's, yeah. But if everything must go, yeah. you know, they could certainly get value <laughs> there. Um, if you know, Steve Ciszek is a pending free agent, so I think you take him mm-hmm. out of that. So what I'm left with is Victor Arano. Do you see anything there? You know, he popped early in the season and he kind of disappeared. I know it's been a... He's always been erratic and sometimes injury issues, but he, he does create swing in this stuff. So that would definitely be a name to track if they decide to move Finnegan and, um, you know, as you intimated, Chisak being on a, on a year contract, he should get dealt to a team to be like a sixth or seventh inning guy. There's still value in what he can do. Um, just, you know, teams won't get excited when they add him or at least the fan base, but, you know, he's a solid middle reliever. Yeah, he's on the DL right now, but... Uh... You know, uh, mm-hmm. of the potential uh, players and who could, could be in that bullpen, he's just somebody who who stood out to me. Another one that's interesting to me, you guys, is um, is the Tigers and Gregory Soto, um, who is not a free agent until after the twenty twenty five season. So obviously, there's no urgency for this team to move Gregory Soto. At the same time. I mean, you got to assume that they're open for business, and so everyone should be available, you know, within reason for this Detroit team. Greg, what are you thinking about uh, your namesake in Detroit, Gregory Soto, and the possibility of? Yeah, I mean, is it is it worth? I guess the question for a lot of these guys, you know, what I'm going to do that. Let's lump these, some of these guys in together, like Gregory Soto, maybe Rysel Iglesias, who's also a free agent after the 2025 season for teams that are just not competing this year. Lou Trevino, who's done a decent job after losing the gig earlier this year, and then he, Danny Jimenez gets hurt. Lou Trevino steps back into the role, and yeah, it's been a little shaky, but it's been mostly okay. He's still under contract through uh, the next couple of seasons. Like, are there any of these spots where it's worth speculating on guys uh, who maybe don't have any change to their bullpen? Yeah, if I. Of the situations, I mean, the most intriguing guy for me would be Alex Lang if he got a chance um, for save situations. 
Uh, he kind of flies below the radar because they use Fulmer in the eighth, but Lang has very good swing and miss stuff. He can actually produce ground balls. He used to be a starting pitcher, um, so he does have a more diverse arsenal than than a lot of relievers. Uh, as, instead of a, you know, he can go four pitches if he so chooses. Um, so and, and he pops when you run the underlying data like K minus BB swinging strike percentage and, and contact rate allowed. Um, he does very well. I think when I ran the numbers over the last 365 days, he appeared on two of those three lists. Um, and that's with relievers with at least 30 innings pitched. So it included the guys this year, like Ryan Helsley and things of that nature. Uh, and he was still, he was still, uh, jumping up in there. So he would be the most intriguing stash of those situations that you list out, but it's dependent upon, uh, Soto. And again, just like Barlow. It's hard because relievers are so volatile, but when you have a very good um, young reliever, you know, and Soto's never been the most consistent. I'm sure Al can attest to this. I mean, his walk rate through the years, it jumps up and down. But, you know, again, if if you're reading the room and, and you can get a couple of bona fide prospects or, or something of that nature and continue your rebuild on the fly, I, I think you have to entertain it. I mean, there's not a lot of... 99 mile per hour southpaws on the market right now that can that could change. I mean, we think of the Houston bullpen. What's the one thing they don't have? A, a, a power left-handed reliever. Um, I don't know that it's a necessity for Houston, but it would certainly change the outlook of of their bullpen if they want to take out the Yankees in in the uh, in the playoffs. So. You know, it's just something. We, we don't know what's going to happen with Detroit. They've kept that stuff close to the vest. I mean, Fulmer's going to get traded. They could decide to just trade Chafin instead because I think he's a free agent after next season. There's a mutual option on his contract. They could just take the easy way out and then just go with Soto and Lang with Lang filling the Fulmer role. Um, but, but again, of, of all those ones that you listed out, Lang would be the most intriguing reliever to me of that group. I wonder if you're dropping us a hint by saying close to the vest, but I don't, I don't really <laughs> see he's, him. He's that. done well, but yeah. no, I, he, he's only pitched, I think, in three games with the lead this year. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I actually, I, I stashed him in ale only uh, pretty early on just because of the skills, but the, the, mm-hmm. the usage does not suggest that there's going to be uh, any, any saves uh, coming at the, at the uh, end of the season. But yeah, I like that you mentioned Lang for, for me, Lang and Efrost would be, the two this weekend, barring any changes between now and Sunday that uh, I would, I'd be the most interested in. Can I interest either of you guys in the Arizona Diamondbacks? This is another team that like so many, it's, it's crazy. Like, like, I don't have a, I don't have a Rolodex of like uh, recent reliever <laughs> markets at this time of year, but it's just crazy to me that we have so many of these closers who are in spots where like the team doesn't, I mean, they, they're not necessarily pressured to trade these guys. And like, I mean, the diamondbacks are an interesting one to me because we're talking about two vets, Mark Melanson and Ian Kennedy. Both of these guys have seen better days. Um, both these guys are under contract for at least one more year. Ian Kennedy through 2023, Melanson through 2024. Both these guys have cl- uh, closer experience. No contending team. I think is going to feel super comfortable trotting Mark Melanson out as like an eighth inning guy to lock things down on October 14th. But they might also put themselves in that position. And so, you know, I don't think Melanson or Kennedy, you know, Melanson and Kennedy are not David Robertson. If they get traded, their fantasy value goes to zero because there's no way those guys are going to be closers where they go. But do you think, Greg, and Al, you can answer this question too, do you think that 
you know, this is a team that maybe is motivated to trade these guys, even though they have them under contract still. And if they do, who's someone who you're looking at in Arizona? Well, I, I just want to chime in real quickly and say I am rooting for an addition by multiplication headline. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll, well, I'll leave the real analysis to Greg. No, if if you're if you're a contender, yeah, you want Joel Mantiply. You don't, you don't care about Melanson or Kennedy. You want to know mm-hmm. what it takes to get the again. That's of the relievers probably on the market right now. He's probably near the top of the southpaws, and his performance in the All Star game did nothing to move his stock down uh, for contending teams because they saw what he did on a big stage against good right. hitters. Uh, so and so he I mean, can get guys a- out on both sides of the plate. So yeah. I mean. I don't think he's a closer, but I think he would be a very, very good uh, matchup reliever. Again, uh, I know the Mets would be in the market for a reliever like that. Uh, having lost Aaron uh, Loop last year, I don't think they really trust Joely Rodriguez. Uh, so I, I think the the diamond. And again, I've read quotes for Hayes and thinks he's a buyer at the trade deadline. It's you know he wants to move some pieces, but he doesn't want to give up on next season. So I think. Christian Walker could be traded too. So it's just a matter of how they're going to handle the approach. But I, yeah, I, I I almost think Melanson's just going to stay there and they're just going to see if he can lose another eight games in the second half. Good Lord. <laughs> just play out the, play out the string on Melanson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mantiply is interesting. Just I mean, he's 31 years old, right? But he's obviously yeah. with a, a late bloomer. He's pre-arb still. Right, yep. So it's like, it, it'll be an interesting question for the team. Like, Obviously, they don't have to trade him, but like, mm-hmm. do they think like this is it? Like, this is the peak. We're not going to maybe be that good next year. Let's just go ahead and make the move now. Him and and then you know, if they decide to move all of those guys, then we're trying to see what happens with Caleb Smith and Luke Weaver. I mean, Luke Weaver's been making one inning outings. You know, that's mm-hmm. another former starter. Maybe he takes the Kevin Gaussman um, relief relief move into relevance next season. So we'll have to see how, how they would handle that. So there's intriguing parts in Arizona. It just depends on how they're going to handle this whole thing, which is unknown, unfortunately. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, Let's go to... Can I follow up with you on the Angels? I mean, just like... Of course. Is, is there a world where Rysel Iglesias you think gets moved, or is there is there enough of a realistic world where you want to maybe speculate on someone there? I mean, that's someone who I think I feel like... You know, this is a guy who's had some, you know, obviously he's always had the closer stuff and has had some really nice seasons as a closer. And this Angels team, for whatever reason, just can't figure it out. Like, I feel like they might welcome the the opportunity to get that money off their books that's on the books for another, what, three seasons beyond this year. It's not the, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world, especially with like the dearth of impact relievers who might actually be realistically available. Like, what are you looking at in the, in a, in a world where Rysel Iglesias gets moved? Who do you speculate on here? Uh, I mean, here's the thing from what, again, I, I read way too much. I've been reading that <laughs> they would be willing to deal to para. And I don't think the, yeah. I don't think they can shed Iglesias' contract. I think they're kind of bound to it. If, if they traded him, um, well, I mean, they drafted Ben Joyce, but he's not ready, but that would be quite the, uh, quite the teaser there. I, I think they're looking down the road, uh, with that Joyce pick. Who wants to set the uh, the major league record for the fastest pitch thrown on record? But um, yeah, I, I think they would just go more. You know, they would just match up. I, I, there's nobody behind really Tapera and Iglesias that jumps off the page. I mean, they like Marte's stuff, but I don't think he's ready. You know, he had a couple of nice outings, then he got blown up on one of them right before the end of the first half. <sighs> It would be tough. I mean, they used Austin Warren a little bit, Andrew Watts, but again, none of these guys, I think, have the sustainability. I think they're kind of painted in a corner with Iglesias. And I just put in my notes, uh, just avoid, <laughs> because yeah, other than Iglesias, there's, <laughs> there's not anybody in that situation uh, that I, I really like. Um, although when you, you mentioned Joyce, that did remind me, I think, didn't Brandon Finnegan make that move from being drafted to pitching uh, in the same uh, pitching out of the bullpen in the same season with the Royals I seem to remember I think so I mean, yeah, it's very it's very very rare but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know we don't know I mean we all thought Kevin Copps would kind of have the same sort of a thing with the Padres and he's he's still in double A so you know it, again it's it's cool when you see these things when pitching ninja but we don't know if it's ever going to materialize mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you can't you, that velocity doesn't fall out of trees yeah <laughs> That is, uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, Al, when we were uh, messaging back and forth before, um, before the show started, you said you're not yet giving up on the Marlins, um, which is understandable. I mean, you know, they're still right there. They could certainly come out of the uh, break totally blazing and, and get back in this. But, I mean, Tanner Scott, Anthony Bass, Bass is uh, FA after next year. Scott's an FA after 24. So another one of these teams that could decide, you know what? We're okay if we don't get bowled over. Uh, but what do you look at with these Marlins uh, and the possibility of one or both of these guys getting moved and then who could step into the role if indeed both of them are out? Yeah, I think it would make sense for the Marlins to move Bass. Uh, they yeah. do. If, you know, if they don't uh, make the playoffs this year, and I, I don't, I'm not really expecting yeah, that. I just, not you going know, to. when you look at how the standings line up, they, they have a little bit of a shot still. Yeah, for sure. But um, it, there's, there's a it's window there. Is. For, for Tanner Scott, I think to, to make a difference, uh, if not this year, next year. So, but in in the the scenario where uh, Scott does get dealt, the, the Marlins do have some options. Uh, you know, if they get uh, Anthony Bender back, and he's on the IL right now with a, a back injury, he's, 
He just started his rehab, though. He threw on Sunday, I believe. Okay, so I'm not sure what that would put him on target for as a return, but certainly I would think would make him an option over the last couple of months. And whether he's back or not, I think Stephen Okert, either it could be a, like a lefty-righty tandem or maybe while Bender is working his way back, Okert could could pick up some saves. And uh, if that were a scenario that played out, I, I'd be interested in either or uh, – Probably not both of those guys, but if one did emerge, I I could see uh, being interested. The the only sleeper, the one sleeper I've been kind of keeping an eye on there is uh, Eliezer Hernandez because he mm-hmm. struggled as a as a starter, but you know one time through the order he was usually okay, but then the home run tendencies popped up his second and third time through. I, I wonder if he really focused on maybe two or three pitches and they really kind of just honed him in on maxing out in one inning. If we would see his velocity tick up from 94 to maybe 96 ish. And now all of a sudden, if he can get a lot of swing and misses with, with his uh, secondary stuff, we, we could see him emerge. But again, that would be down the road if they made the moves that you spoke about, but he would be a deep sleeper or they'll decide to flip him at the deadline. But um, that's a name that I would track there just in case things went, chaotic (laughs) you know if we're talking about the marlins i think maybe we could talk about the orioles too because dvr raised an interesting possibility that even if the orioles weren't really sellers if they did try to go for it that he could see a scenario where they did deal jorge lopez just because they've got a pretty deep bullpen you could see felix bautista uh slide Mm -hmm. in there or maybe in in, uh committee with dylan tate and some others uh so I don't know. First of all, Greg, what do you think about that scenario? And is there anybody here that you would, would think about speculating on? I think I shared with you last time I was watching one of the games and, and they said that Bautista's nickname is the mountain. So that's kind of cool because he's a big hulking six, seven right. uh, type of figure out there. Um, and, you know, we worried about his command issues coming into the season, but he's been very good this year. Uh, you know, he's almost the opposite of Lopez where Lopez will get out of trouble with uh double plays and ground outs and things of that nature. Um, Bautista has a little more swing and miss in his game. So, you know, and that's something that entices us fantasy people. What the Orioles do is very, very intriguing. I really think they like Lopez and he's close with the manager. And it was like the first time Hyde really said that it's my closer, which is, you know, covering this team for years. It's been as focusing on the ninth thing was a surprise, you know, not a surprise to me because I talked to him on a couple of shows in the preseason as somebody to watch. But um, I almost wonder if they would just give him a team-friendly deal, buy out his arbitration, because I, I think they want to keep building on the good vibes that they got going. So mm-hmm. if they, if maybe he won't agree, they would trade him. But I think the thing with his son and battling the health issues and his comfortability with the team, I, I feel like him and Bednar, to me, I think might end up staying, and that's going to yeah. shock a lot of people. But you know, Pittsburgh learned its lesson, I think, last year with Clay Holmes. And I think Baltimore kind of says, hey, we got some good good vibes going here. Let's keep things the way they are. We like this depth. We can match up with teams. And even if we don't make the playoffs, we're building for next year. Yeah, it just sends it sends a bad message to the to the whole team if you if you ship out Jorge Lopez. Yes. Right. Yeah. Remember last mm-hmm. year when the team got down with Seattle and they traded Graveman? I think you would see a mm-hmm. similar a similar ripple effect. Yeah, that's why I just I can't. I mean, I I totally get the logic behind uh, that when we're just talking. You know, we're not in the we're not in the front office. We're not in the clubhouse. We're just looking at this as you know from a fan angle, from a from an analyst angle. So I get that. The logic is totally sound. 
but it just sends a bad message for a team that finally has some good vibes around it for the first time in a long, long time. Basically, for the first time since uh, Zach Britton didn't get used uh, in that <laughs> in that ninth inning, way back in the wild card game. Yeah. Um, we're talking about obvious sellers here for the most part. I want to wrap up the episode by talking about possible sellers because, right, I mean, there are going to be some teams that decide that don't say it right now, but, you know, a week from now, like, you know what? This ain't our year. Red Sox, Guardians, Card- Giants, and maybe even the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are a long shot at that. I think they should be in the discussion. But Red Sox, wow. Guardians, Giants. The, the Cardinals have a very soft second half schedule. I don't think they're going to struggle. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, and they're right there too. I mean, they got to have what Fangraph, but they, they must have like better than 50% playoff odds according to Fangraphs, I would imagine. Yeah, they're at 51 and a half. So there you go. Um, but let's talk. How about those other three? Like, I mean, Red Sox, that's, I mean, that's an uphill battle for that team to get into the playoffs in the American League and all those AL East games that they've got. Giants, you could say the same for them with all those NL West games that they're going to have to play. Um, and then uh, and then the Guardians as well, who have been a, a nice little story so far this season, but I would say still pretty unlikely to make the playoffs. Now, obviously, the Guardians aren't moving Emmanuel Classe, I don't think, anytime soon. No. I would bet that the Giants aren't moving uh, Camilo Doval either, but is there anything here with any of these three teams that you find interesting? I don't think there'll be a lot of uh, – yeah. I, I mean, the Red Sox are finally getting their bullpen settled with Whitlock coming back and, and Hauk – doing okay as the closer and Schreiber kind of being their take over a messy situation and get out of it role. So this, again, this is the, if they do anything, it would have to be addressing that starting rotation. I think the Chris sale injury really clouded what happens for them going forward. So even if they dealt, I don't think they would do, I don't think they would do anything with the three names I mentioned. So it kind yeah. of makes their bullpen uh, null and void on that. And, and as you said, Clause is not going to get moved and they're not going to move Doval, so it doesn't really shuffle too much. The only thing we want to see is some of those younger arms from the Giants might get a look in the second half, which could be intriguing in deeper formats. Al, any surprises that you are speculating on for the next 10, 11 days? No, I, I cannot think of a situation that we haven't talked about. It's a weird year with the yeah. It seems like a, the, a, the Phillies. I mean, if the Phillies fizzle a little bit, they could end up dealing Knable, but I don't know if he would be able to go yeah. somewhere else and recapture any magic. I mean, it's it's so weird that now, you know, Jose Alvarado's really good and Knable was, was really struggling. Uh, I mean, he pitched well once they, the pretty, he pitched well once they took him out of the closer role, but yeah. They um, would have to come out of the break pretty poorly. Mm-hmm. And don't they correct they get the, they get the Cubs for four? Don't they? Just yeah, no, I, again, I don't think that anything's going to happen right. there. It's just a matter of, <clears throat> I think fantasy people would just appreciate them abandoning like Sir Anthony Dominguez as the <laughs> taking on the toughest pocket rather than getting a better share. But yeah, I think well, the only Philly, Philly for the, 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 their three series leading into the deadline are Cubs, Braves, and Pirates. So, I mean, the Braves is obviously a, a tough one, but you know, talking seven games against the Cubs and Pirates, got to imagine Philly's going to look pretty good in those games. Well, yeah. I'm glad you did bring Philly up because the one thing I overlooked when you you asked me the question first is, you know, who, who's going to be buying David Robertson or you know maybe some yeah. of the other relievers that we've talked right. about. Right. I mean, if they, if they, they got Robertson, that changes yeah. things. Yeah. Because then because then they could slot him just, a top uh, and then unleash Sir Anthony wherever they want. So you just trade trade clubhouses this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we see that we see that a fair like amount, a, right? Like like in the I, softball 
you know, tournaments. You, you yeah. the other team's best player when you beat yeah. them and move on. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And <laughs> right, they're gonna be together. They're gonna be right, it's gonna be talking to each other. It certainly certainly could work that way as we get ready for the MLB trade deadline again, just eleven days away from when we are recording this episode. That is going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Our thanks once again to Greg Jewett. You can follow him on Twitter at G Jewett, J E W E T T nine. Greg, great stuff as always, man. Thanks for being with us. Well, I appreciate the kind words and always love being on with the both of you. Appreciate it. You got it, Greg. It is our pleasure indeed. For Al, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for being with us. Al, the slacker, taking a day off tomorrow. So it's going to be me and DVR talking to you about the waiver wire on the Friday episode leading you into your weekend. We will talk to you then. See ya.